Welcome to Hustle and Pro Season 2, talking sports in Frisco from youth to pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Thanks for joining us. As we record this episode of Hustle and Pro, the MLS's back tournament starts today uh, and our very own FC Dallas withdrew from the tournament. That's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. But also our Dallas Mavericks are headed to the NBA bubble in Orlando too. So it's an unusual time for sports to say the very least, but something else is happening besides this coronavirus pandemic that is changing the landscape of sports right now. There is a movement happening, uh, racism, and racism in sports is not a new conversation, but the conversation to bring it up and to keep it up and to talk about it and have people listen and learn is new. So my eyes personally have been opened recently. I've learned more than I ever knew that I didn't even know about racism in sports. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get started expanding on that with our guest, Tony Graham. Thanks for showing up, Tony. Hi. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. So I know you through sports, right? Yes. But I want to stop talking for a second and give you the floor to tell us about you and introduce yourself to us. Yeah, so thank you. Um, uh, like she said, I'm uh, Tony Graham. I, uh, gosh, been involved in youth sports for, gosh, I guess over about 22 years now. So uh, coach soccer for FC Dallas, uh, currently coaching 2011, 2010, 2009, and 2008 boys. So uh, I stay pretty busy on the soccer fields. And then I also have uh, three kids of my own. So uh, when I'm not uh, on the soccer fields, I'm chasing them around too. So it's a pretty busy life, but it's uh, it's fine. Are these athlete kids of yours? They are. Uh, two of them are uh, a 2010 uh, son and uh, 2009 both played for FC Dallas. So I get to coach them both for now. I know that that won't last forever, but uh, definitely enjoy coaching them. And uh, they're good players. They're excelling and uh, doing quite well. So, yeah, happy dad. Awesome. I mentioned that I really only know you through sports. So yeah. the few conversations I've ever had with you have probably just been about soccer, right? Probably, yeah. uh, Either on a soccer field related to my husband yeah, yeah. or at an FC Dallas game saying right. hi or talking about the game or something like that. Uh, so you grew up here in Plano, right? Yeah, grew up in Plano. Um, uh, went through all Plano schools, uh, middle school and high school, played soccer for Plano East. And so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a local city boy. Plano East. Yeah. I think, so that means you played against my husband. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. I, well, I told him you times. were meeting me here today. And, of course, he's like, tell him this and remind him this. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we don't need to talk about high school soccer. I have many, many memories But then I think you played with him soccer. also, right? Yeah, we, uh, we played on uh, North Dallas 40, men's outdoor team. Uh, got a chance to play with him and uh, a couple other guys that uh, you knew back from the Plano East and Plano Senior High Day. So it was quite fun playing on that team. So, yeah. yeah. There's a strange underground, uh, I not to offend you, but old man soccer group of guys here <laughs> that have stuck around this area and continued to be in and yeah. around soccer, right? And yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's really, really cool, um, you know, getting to play with those guys, uh, remembering them back during the high school days, but then being on like men's teams with them, playing with them, playing against them. Uh, soccer community is a small world. And so um, yeah. um, it's, pre it's pretty cool. But I uh, definitely enjoyed seeing uh, your husband out at the fields, you know, through the youth soccer stuff, just kind of reminding, reminding us back of our times when we were, you know, that youthful and running around and still trying to do it to this day. Yep. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. 
So this will be a different conversation for us. We'll still talk about sports, but it's it's hard for me. Um, you know, I don't talk about race and racism every day. So this right. is tough for me, but that's why I invited a friend in here to yeah, talk to me, talk sure. with me and help me through it. So what sparked this um, was an FC Dallas video I saw recently. Well, it's been a lot. It's been some FC Dallas players being vocal after um, – the George Floyd killing in May, the, mm -hmm. some of them have really stepped up and spoken up and right. not in even a huge way, just small personal accounts and different things. And then recently I saw FC Dallas put out a video conversation or candid conversations. Um, I think it was healing racism in sports, something like that. Right. And that's kind of my jumping off point where I just, I wanted to get it all out there. Things I was learning watching that video. We'll link to that video in the podcast post so that you guys listening can um, go watch it for sure. It's something great to to go watch. So that was Luchi Gonzalez, who's the head coach of FC Dallas. Um, and it was players, um, Reggie Cannon, who you guys have, know that I love. I talk about him on this show a lot. Jimmy Maurer and Fafa Pecal. I, I don't know how to say his last name. I need to learn. Pecals, Pecals, something Pecals, like that. It's yes. kind of a silent uh, L in there. Yes, when I get him on this podcast, we'll, I'll clarify that with him. I'll make him say it for me so I learn it. Um, and then the other person on the video was Jolie Robinson. So she is with the Dallas Police Department. She's the community affairs manager. So she mostly listened. Um, but even, like, let's just start with kind of Reggie. Um, Reggie has always been a good role model. and um, But I learned things from him listening to him talk. Um, he recently was married. I think during this pandemic shutdown, he, I think was when he got married. I remember seeing like drive by congratulations from his teammates and stuff, but he is in a biracial uh, marriage. So his wife is from Burleson. And so hearing him talk about some of the slight things that they would get, you know, glares walking into mm -hmm. an academy holding hands as a, you know, black man and a white woman, things like that. Um, seeing the Confederate flag a lot of places and making him uncomfortable. And um, she's probably a lot like me growing up in a small town in Texas. You didn't really think about those things. Mm -hmm. um, but then once it became personal to her and it was directly, she started feeling it, right? It was directly impacting her life. Um, and so now she feels the frustration. Um, she feels the dirty looks. And it's. he said that it's been difficult, um, made a difficult spot for them to be in, but he sees it as a good signal for change and um, noticing those micro interactions, but recognizing it as an opportunity to make a positive impact, right? right. And, and telling people about those things. So as I go through some of these accounts, if any of those ring true to you, you know, let me know. Sure, absolutely. If, if you feel some of those things. Um, so... Reggie has recently, so it's it's one thing to just kind of tell people, oh, you know, I've had racism happen to me here and there, but he's one of those players that um, is taking quite a bit of action. So even just recently, um, let's see, Juneteenth, they the MLS created the first ever Black Players Coalition of the MLS, and it's in their letter um, when they created it, they talked about they're there to bridge the gap by lobbying for different initiatives. So one of those is imp implicit bias training, cultural education, and diversification in hiring. So I wondered from you, um, your thoughts on those things as a person who's 
been hired in the soccer community, even in the FC Dallas system. Right. Um, what what you've seen as far as diversification, if we're doing a decent job of it here in the Frisco area, if we're not, what what you think about that? Sure. Well, I think that it's fantastic that uh, uh, Reggie has taken on the personal challenge to do that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as a community, uh, we can do more. I think that we we need to do more, but I think that those are definitely good start starting points when you talk about uh, implicit bias training and those kind of things. Really, um, for me, what I think uh, the biggest thing is uh, kind of how we can kind of bridge some of this systemic racism is um, if we all kind of get to uh, know each other a little bit more, if uh, our elected officials, if our police officers and things of that nature really, really understand the communities that they're serving, uh, really, really get involved in the communities that they're serving, I think um, that can at least start uh, to turn the page with some of the systemic racism uh, that's been going on. I think what happens is a lot of times is you get these communities and uh, you get officers for whatever reason that either didn't grow up in those communities or really don't mm -hmm. know the community that they're serving. And um, it's kind of a trust factor there. It's it's an insecurity. Um, I don't really know you. I don't know your background. I don't know where you came from. So my guard is completely up. Yep. Where I think is if we kind of... As on a both community, sides. On both sides. Absolutely. On both sides. And I think that... Uh, there could the healing process could uh, be accelerated a lot more if we actually had a lot more community involvement on both sides. And I think that when you start seeing the systemic racism and it's starting to take shape in city to city to city all across the United States, it's because really there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between the people that are in the city and then there's a disconnect between the elected officials and police officers. I think if we can kind of bridge that, we can at least start, start. Uh, you know, some of the healing in those regards. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think we've seen this, this beginning of some of that here um, with groups trying to have those open conversations and getting to right. know them. But, and we've, I think, um, our Frisco police has admitted they want more diversity on the police force. They've right. tried and they need to figure out how to try harder right. and make that, make the police force look a little bit more like, right. you know, the people here. Right. The community that they serve. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think the, um, um, you know, it's been going on for a long time, but I really do think with the um, the um, killing of George Floyd, I think that that really uh, woke up a lot of people um, in a lot of different communities. A lot of people were outraged about that, um, deservedly so, and uh, um, are very, very outwardly spoken about it. Um, you see a lot of... Uh, you saw a lot of protests that were taking place from city to city to city. I never would have thought something that happened so far away, uh, we would be having those same kind of protests here in Frisco. And it really, yep. really made me think that, um, you know, as a society, um, hopefully we're starting to wake up to those kind of things instead of turning a blind eye uh, to things that I myself personally um, have experienced and have been knowing that's been going on for a very long time. Yeah, I think turning a blind eye is interesting because, um, you know, I don't try to not notice things. I just don't look for things. I don't right. have my ears and eyes open as much as I should have before. Right. Another example of that, um, when Reggie was talking, I had no idea. He had a family member that was killed um, mm. by a police officer. 
he talks about it in the video, and I don't want to try to recount his personal stuff and get it wrong, right. but it was shocking and really sad and made me really sad to know that right. the, these things, ha they've been happening. This is nothing new, right. which is even more sad, that right. it isn't something new. And it's so common that this has happened, and I never even knew a, a player I've followed and reported on for years. I didn't even know something that major had happened in his family because right. it was kind of just another thing probably another thing that happened in his family that didn't get any attention right. or enough attention. Right. Um, one more thing before we move off from, from notes on what Reggie was talking about. Um, he's also um, been active on social talking about um, um, a hashtag called athletes for black lives matter, but it's athletes, the number four BLM. Um, and he talks about how they play, he plays for equality and justice and, um, we'll tag it in the notes, but just so everybody knows it's called voice now foundation, but that's V O Y C E voice now foundation. It's a nonprofit made up of athletes and fans that are out there, um, really fighting for equality and justice. So everybody go check that out too. So I want to talk about Fafa. He's one of the first people that kind of made me open my eyes just locally and go, oh my gosh, this guy's been playing a sport that I know since I was three, right? He's been playing this sport his whole life, all over the world. And I, you know, you, you see these pro athletes and you think they've got a pretty good life, right? They're, right. they're playing soccer. They're right. making money. They've got a good setup. Like this is a cool life. And then you start hearing their personal accounts of the way players, teammates, fans, opposing fans, um, coaches treat them right and it is it it broke my heart to hear those things I mean he talked about um, moving to Italy when he was 16 and he would split training with the reserve team and a first team and one of the coaches um called him a monkey and told him to go back to the jungle mm -hmm. and then he was just here to run and then he had no skills wow. so he has to hear that from a leader in his sport somebody who's supposed to be guiding him along right and making right. him better he he had to kind of just take it and hear those things and and get spit on by fans and have things put in his locker and just uh, on and on and on right, right. um he also talked about uh just recently he tweeted a photo got pulled over third time three weeks wow. no speeding tickets no reason thankfully i have my fc dallas gear on today that might have helped me out blah 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 and I read the comments and I'm just floored that people are blaming him. Well, you probably were speeding or this or that. And it's just like, yeah. what? hold on. Three weeks, three times pulled over and you never got a ticket. Something's off, right? right? right. And it just like infuriates me to hear those things. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that he put those things out there because it allows somebody like me to kind of open my eyes and understand that for me, I hop in the car and do whatever I want. I go right. wherever I want. Most of the time, nobody bothers me. Right. But he has a whole routine where he has to think about what he's put on his body. Is he wearing a hoodie? Is he, does he have on the, the wrong hat? Like, does he look different? Right. Than, so, he's thinking about that every time he drives around. Right. Um, things that I just never, you know, never have have thought about like where he leaves his wallet when he's driving so that he doesn't have to reach in anywhere to get it right. when he's pulled over because he gets pulled over so much and he talks about how exhausting it is and that's just something that hit me hard that that these athletes are dealing with so much racial injustice right. um, on a day-to-day -day basis so you mentioned you've been in youth athletes for ath you dealing with youth athletes 
for 22 years and then yourself a whole lifetime of sports and soccer, probably other sports too. Right. Um, is there anything that rings true that, you know, to you when you hear stories like that of coaches or teammates and just people treating you differently? Yeah, it's unfortunate. The answer is yes, but uh, the answer is yes. Um, this is, uh, uh, like I said, not uh, anything new. Um, uh, I think uh, as a society, we're, we're finally starting to really, really, truly uh, open our eyes to it uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, even that still garners controversy because people want, you know, to hear all lives matter and those kind of things. And what people are simply saying is we're not saying all lives don't matter. We're just saying black lives matter, you know. Um, and uh, uh, but for myself personally, um, I've, I've, I've had some of those same similar experiences, you know, growing up in Plano. I can remember vividly. And I mean, this is, you know, I'm, you know, 43 years old now and still can remember these these accounts just like they were yesterday. But uh, driving back from playing um, basketball with some buddies of mine at a local local rec, well, we just finished playing basketball and uh, there's about four of us in my car. I was driving. We all had our shirts off because we were, um, we were uh, you know, just getting off the basketball courts. Yeah. And literally as soon as we pulled out of the parking lot, got pulled over, uh, were all told to get out of the car and were harassed for probably about the next 30 minutes because we looked suspicious and because there was a report of a burglary, burglary um, uh, somewhere in the area. This was like on a Saturday at like 2 o'clock in the mm -hmm. afternoon. Um, and I was young then, so I was I was pretty shaken up by then. Um, and, um, you know, it was, it was unfortunate because we were kids and we were scared. Um, you know, when you fast forward to my adult life, I remember uh, um, driving uh, back. This was a little later at night. I was leaving um, a restaurant, uh, had just bought uh, a new car uh, that I worked very, very hard for, uh, bought a Mercedes, and I just did not look like I should be driving uh, a Mercedes S550 and uh, pulled out of the restaurant um, and was immediately pulled over and uh, was questioned for about 15, 20 minutes. Where did I get this car? Um, do I have, um, you know, do I have any registration on it? Let me see the tags. I was explaining to him that uh, just bought the car a day ago, so it still had the paper tags on it. He thought it was stolen. And uh, when I explained to him, I'm a business owner in this community, you know, this is, this is profiling. And after he went through about 20 minutes, of harassing me uh, and realized that, you know, hey, I was clean. I didn't have anything wrong. He, his, his, his total disposition towards me changed. But it's just that moment where um, because of the color of my skin and because of what I was driving, it had to have been stolen. Something is wrong with this the picture. The prejudgment. The prejudgment, right. And, um, you know, those, you know, those are own personal stories. But th these are things that happen all across our cities every single day and just like how you were talking um about you know reggie and about the cult it's kind of something that we have uh, just accepted almost as the norm and uh, that's got to change yeah. because you know people pe people are dying yep and even when they're not dying it's not right to be just on a daily basis treated unfairly absolutely for no i mean there is no reason Oh, I mean, it's... So it, uh, it, I, I, I don't... Yes, you're right. No one should... It should never get to the extreme of, of people dying. But there's just... There's so many layers of it. 
There is. There's a lot of layers of it. And, uh, you know, you say you, when you get in your car um, every day, you just get in and you go and you don't have to worry about anything. If uh, I'm driving and God forbid it's at night and, and I get pulled over, uh, that whole process is, is, is completely different. I now have to start worrying about you know, movements that mm-hmm. I make and, and what I say and what what uh, is going to be perceived from this from this particular officer, things that most people and certainly um, uh, uh, other races would not have to worry about uh, if it wasn't for the color of their skin. So uh, very, 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 very difficult to uh, go through situations like that. But uh, we know uh, uh, as, as, as black people that that is a very, very real thing. And, um, you know, one bad move or, or, or anything that just looks uh, out of the ordinary, um, you know, yeah. could, could It doesn't could have to be some, out of the ordinary. It just could look out of the ordinary. It could look out of the ordinary, right, right. And, and could cause some serious issues yeah. and, and, you know, for misunderstandings. And it goes back to, like I said, that community that community involvement and knowing your surroundings and that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. All right, let's get one more perspective, too. Um, so the head coach of FC Dallas, Lucci Gonzalez, yes. who I love Lucci. I think he's so he's great. great. I, I he think is. he talks to the media, and I listen a lot, and I just I really appreciate the – the passion he has behind everything he says and cares about. And it right. goes way beyond just the sport of soccer. He cares about these guys and his, you know, his system and his family of people. But he opened up in the Candid Conversations video um, about being married to a black woman um, and the subtleties that are still a reflection of racism and judgment. He said it was it's sad and it's disappointing and it, it causes hurt um, within the community. And that's another thing I didn't didn't realize till I started listening a little bit more. Um, he talked about once um, before he was married to her, uh, he had perceived trust with a teammate. Then they go on to make comments about her when they see her standing over on the sidelines or this or that and, you know, comment racial comments about yeah. her um, that just, you know, they hurt. They hurt him. They hurt her. Sure. And these are his teammates, guys that he relies on and that he trusts on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, that's his soccer family and they break that trust and um, how much that hurt. Um, But as a coach, he talks about how um, sports is, is a great example of the picture of what diversity can be, which is a hopeful thing, right? right? To where it is diverse. It should be, everyone should get the chance to play whatever sport they love and excel at, right? No matter what they look like or background that they come from. Um, and not only should they get the chance to play, but they should get the chance to be treated correctly as they play, right? right? So I like that he said that, and he talked as a coach's perspective, which I'm curious from yours too. Um, he says, I have the responsibility to be more vocal and to be very clear that you must respect all or you don't. Um, so it's under his watch, it's not okay to show slight subtleties and disrespect to one person of a race or nationality. He's dealing with a melting pot of different types of people on the first team. Um, And, you know, I I don't know what your cultural makeup looks like of your four youth teams that you coach, but, but from your perspective and experience leading young, are they all boys? They are. Yes. Leading young men on the soccer field. Like what responsibility do you feel and how much have you noticed or seen that you have to step in and do anything about? Right, that's fair. Well, um, 
just to kind of um, take it back just a little bit, I myself was also in a um, biracial marriage, and my and my kids are biracial, so uh, I have it uh, in the forefront with me. Um, you know, being that it's it's involved with my own kids. I but didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as um, uh, as a coach, we we have an awesome responsibility to make sure that uh, uh, we are spreading a message of uh, inclusiveness that everybody uh, that's out on the field. Um, uh, we are a family, we're a team, and we do things uh, collectively. There's no one person greater than another. Certainly, there's no one person greater than another based on their skin color. So um, it's an awesome message that we as coaches have to uh, make sure that we are sharing with our teams. And I think, um, you know, for me personally, the way I go about doing it is using my my own kids as an example. Um, they don't get any special privileges just because, you know, I'm their, uh, I'm their father and I'm also their coach. Uh, if anything, it's quite the opposite. You know, they have to, you know, work hard mm-hmm. and they have to show uh, leadership to the others. And I think by doing that, um, that shows everybody within um, my soccer teams that, hey, coach treats us all equal. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's on an a equal level playing field. Uh, he doesn't see color. He doesn't see uh, anything other than just abilities and, and work ethic. And I think if we all have that same mindset, um, at least we can save the next generations coming up that witness that uh, from people that they respect and and adore that that can hopefully change some of the narrative that we have going around because it hasn't always been that way in the past. But as leaders, as trusted leaders and people that look up to us, if we can start making our footprint by um, sharing the message of equality, uh, that uh, black lives matter, but all lives matter, everything that's involved, doing it through the youth sports, I think that that could really also be something that can help kind of, you know, change the systemic racism that we have going on right now. It it has to too, because these are all things that you learn as a kid or you don't learn. You either right. learn it in a bad way right? Um, because the people that raised you maybe are racist right. or have really biased tendencies right. Right. or you don't learn it at all and you don't know history or any reasons why something could be um, hurtful to someone else. Right. So it's all, I feel like it's, the kids side, the youth side of this is so important. It is. It's very important. Um, you know, I've had to never thought uh, to a um, uh, nine and a 10 year old that I would be having to have conversations about this topic when they, you know, see things on the news as far as what's, gosh, what, dad, what are they protesting for mm-hmm. and all this? Then having to explain that to them in a way that they can understand. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, they, they see what's going on and then they start forming their own opinions. And what I have to go back and tell them is race. You're, no one is born racist. It's, it's, it's a taught, it's taught, it's a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we just have to do our part as a society to uh, learn and to train a different way because yeah. no one is born a racist. Yeah, I agree. I hope the answer is no, but have you seen racism in youth sports? Personally, I have not, um, and I hope that I don't ever have to. Good, good, and that could be because we live in our our Frisco bubble, and everything's yes. pretty good, in, you know, and in, in general, um, in our sports city USA here. But 
Um, I'm also not naive enough to think that's how it is all, all communities in all parts of the country and the world. Um, but I'm glad to see that you don't face it often in youth sports. Um, so now the other person I mentioned that was in on that FC Dallas video, the candid conversations video was, um, the, with the Dallas police department, she mostly listened, um, and was pretty quiet. I did one thing she said struck me and I wrote it down. She did say the police departments have to change, um, which is an important thing to acknowledge as we talked about at the very beginning. I mean, we can't, people can't just change and listen and be, be loving and everything's great. And then then there's no change within the police system. So for her to, to say that really shows that they not only have to, I think they're going to, um, it's going to take some time, I think, but, but to hear or to watch that she was listening, I think that's an important point as I kind of wrap this up because people like me have to, to change. We have to listen, um, because it's not good enough anymore to just go through life, not paying attention to it and just being good, you know, thinking everything's good to go because I'm good to go right? and not realizing or even trying to like ask if my friends and people in my community are treated wrongly. Right. Um, so opening my, my eyes, opening my ears, reading more, watching more things like this video and others, listening to these athletes and coaches who are actually saying a lot. And it's important mm-hmm. follow the things they're talking about, right. follow the trails and like educate ourselves. Um, but it opens up my, my heart too. And just to be able to feel like I'm making myself better friends and teammates um, and fans, we have to be better fans too, and neighbors and colleagues within our, our community. Absolutely. And I think uh, you kind of um, you know, made a good point. Uh, it's not just when, you know, black people within the community step up and protest and say, uh, you know, black lives matters. We really, really start to invoke change when everybody is 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 collectively saying that same message. And I think that we've started to see some of that uh, with, uh, you know, the, the killing of George Floyd. You know, you didn't just have black people that were protesting or just one, you know, uh, minority group that were protesting, you had uh, you had everybody from all walks of life that were protesting and speaking up uh, on that behalf. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we do that as a community and when we come to together as a community, I think that that's when we will really, really start to invoke, invoke the real change that we need because it's very, very easy to do it for a little bit and it kind of goes to the wayside and then we have more cases and yep. more stories that come up. When everybody's talking about it, everybody's, you know, has the same collective message. Yeah. I think that, you know, yep. I think that that's where Constantly it's really going to start. And yeah. openly. Absolutely. And consistently. And to where it's not a taboo thing. Right. To ask somebody about it, um, right. a neighbor or a friend, what they think about this, what's happening with this. What is it that I'm missing because this doesn't make sense to me. If something's right. not adding up and something you're seeing in the news, ask someone. Right. Figure out a conversation with somebody right. or a pastor or somebody who can go, oh, you know what? I think this is why you're not getting it. Right. Here's why. Okay, great. I'd right. love to walk away from conversation getting it rather than being ignorant, not knowing what the heck's even happening around exactly. me. So. Right. All right, Tony. Thank you. For, You're very welcome. For Thank you for having here. me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. It's a good chat. We will keep keep the conversation going and listening and learning more and, and doing better. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.